You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, one step off the grid and the EV focus website, thedriven.io. And joining me as usual is Nigel Morris, the solar industry veteran with Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you? Giles, uh, I'm, just, uh, I'm just fine, thank you. In this uh, topsy-turvy world we live in, um, working from the basement um, under the house, so apologies if there's any uh, noise from footsteps above or the bird that's uh, squawking in the background. Um, no, we, good can, to we can be here. We, we can hear the bird. Yes, we can hear the bird, and, and that's and that's and it's very nice, Nigel. It's very nice. Look, um, <laughs> I've got to say, yeah. If, every time you ask someone how are you nowadays, this you sort of say I'm fine, but it's got like an asterisk on top, and yeah. um, it's just um, really bizarre yeah. times and. I guess that's going to be the main focus of our conversation today. But um, just a reminder to listeners, particularly those who sort of gather, get together in large gatherings to listen to this podcast, that um, you really should be 1.5 metres apart and um, no high fives and hugs and kisses when we say something really exciting and interesting. So, um, um, But you are listening by yourselves or with family members, then that's all fine. <laughs> Group listening. I, had, I didn't know that was a thing, but there you oh, go. Oh, look, I'm, 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 I understand they have crowds of people concert listening halls. in every concert halls. They have every yes. fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> can fill a, we can fill a venue. We can fill a venue. <laughs> fill a venue. But um, look, joking aside, um, geez, what a change yeah. to society, isn't it? It's just, um, just oh extraordinary. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, just, yeah, yeah. Well, I've look, been I, working. I, I've been working for home for 17 years, so it's not new to me. But um, for most of that 17 years, I spent half the day sitting in cafes. And yeah. I can't do that anymore. So can't it is a bit that. of a change. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Well, you, you'd be you'd be uh, cactus here in Sydney as well because they've closed the main beaches as well. So you can't even go for a surf here. Well, mate, I think they're about to do the same thing in Byron Bay. Actually, they've um, they've, they've oh, shut wow. the they've shut the car park at uh, Main Beach. They've shut the car park at uh, Clark's. Have they? There's a couple of there's three very black um, four wheel drive riot squad vehicles um, driving around the place, and the word is that they're going to close the beaches as well, which um, either means I'm going to have to go surfing in the dark, uh, or um, or not at all, um, or um, down in the creek. Well, there's the nudist beach. Practice strokes in the creek, mate. Yeah, there's the nudist beach down at Tiagra, but that doesn't really grab me. Not a. Not a bit of, <laughs> Never been a fan of the film Free Willy or anything like that, but uh, um, look, we better get this, yeah, no, unbelievable get this podcast unbelievable. on track. It's um, look, it's unbelievable times, and um, it's clearly having an impact. It's interesting. We've done a couple of stories, and the initial impact was increase in demand for rooftop solar and particularly mm-hmm. battery storage. As some people thought about resilience, in the same way they've talked about talked about toilet rolls and. Um, and slabs of beer, and they thought, well, might as well get a battery at the same time. But um, you're hearing from around the place that um, that things are not going so well anymore. Well, look, I, I think I, I've spent a lot of time uh, trying to gauge the market along with a lot of my colleagues and peers over the last 24 hours and um, really digging in. Um, I, I think that right now the 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 synopsis that I would give is that it's a it's very much a mixed bag. Um, at one end, uh, I'm hearing businesses who've been hearing about businesses who've been very proactive. There's there's some amazing initiative and creativity out there. Um, some terrific young people who run solar businesses who've come up with terrific ideas for how to adapt and um you know full credit to the industry for you know a lot of people i've spoken to have been adapting incredibly quickly um you know facebook posts and videos from wholesalers talking about how it's business as usual and they've adapted and they've changed their structures and changed their processes and um all those kinds of things um, maybe, in fact, the way to approach this is to work our way down the supply chain, Giles, because one thing that I do know is that uh, at the high level, China is pretty much back on track now for manufacturing. Um, 
uh, everyone I've spoken to has said, yep, the product's flowing well. Um, there are a few gaps here and there, but largely China's come back online. And um, so product is flowing and they want to get it to our shores and get it down into this market, which is a key market for them. So um, there's reasonable stock levels in Australia. There's stock flowing. And so as long as it can be transported and everything else, then supply doesn't appear to be um, uh, a massive challenge for us, perhaps not the challenge we thought it was going to be. Well, that's good to the hear. The wholesale, yeah, that is good to hear. Um, the wholesalers, uh, you know, um, have been uh, st- stocked up pretty well. Um, everyone was expecting a strong year, so you know, most wholesalers are in a pretty good position. Um, there, there is some, there are some runs on stock, which I'm hearing about, where there are some, you know, some of the larger retailers are out there saying, "How much have you got? I'll take it all because I want to have it in my warehouse and I want to, I want to be ready." Um, so there is um, there is definitely some people who've been stocking up and yeah and we've seen that at Solar Analytics uh, we've uh, we've had a, a strong order book in the uh, the first part of this month and the latter part of last month very strong orders um, uh, with and a number of people have said yeah we're just keen to stock up we're going to do smaller larger uh, less frequent larger orders so that we're not getting caught by freight or problems in logistics channels, we're just going to get some on the shelf um, mm. and that'll help us keep rolling. So I think the supply chain seems to be okay from the manufacturing to the wholesalers. It's when you get to retail land that it gets quite different. Um, if we start in resi, um, I think we're hearing, uh, what I'm hearing is a very much a mixed bag. There are some companies out there that aren't getting leads. Lead flows have dropped by, you know, 60, 70% in some instances that I talk to. So, you know, people just aren't ringing. Um, in other cases, I'm hearing that lead flows, you know, okay. Um, but I think the average lead flow seems to be about 20% down across the board. So this mm. is understandable given everything that's going on in people's lives. Look, um, I think that's probably right in the sense that um, we're seeing, um, it's quite extraordinary after the bushfires, the traffic on uh, across all three of our websites absolutely surged. I mean, it just more than doubled. It was quite extraordinary. People were sort of impacted wow. by climate change and the effects of it and were just really looking for more information and, um, right. and looking to find solutions and stuff like that. And what we've seen over the last two weeks is a, um, a drop back to where we were before. So it's kind of like that people have just got um, – look, people are just overwhelmed with information about, um, uh, about um, the coronavirus or COVID-19 and whatever it is that you want to call it. So it doesn't surprise me from that sense – that people aren't thinking about sales in some cases because um, we we're finding it harder to attract the their attention. I mean, they're just so focused on just trying to get their minds around the extent of the virus and then all the sort of government rules and government reaction and all the other different things that um, it doesn't surprise me. And I, I'm not really too sure whether that's going to settle down until we actually get comfortable in a regime. And if that means sort of like a, a harsher lockdown or whatever it is, I think people need to sort of see where it settles and then move yes. on. But at the same time, you just can't underestimate the disruption to people's lives, to people's... Um, oh, the disruption um, and the distress you know, is, is just, just um, enormous. Absolutely, enormous. absolutely. So, yeah. so it doesn't surprise me that some leads are, are, are drying down. To when and how that um, re-establishes itself, um, we'll have to wait and see. But anyway, you're about to move on from resi to commercial. Where were we there? Well, yeah, and 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 you know, I mean, I think uh, I think yeah, Resi. There there are little pockets of of strength in Resi. Um, you know, battery inquiries are strong. Um, uh, there are certainly um, you know, financing solar is is uh, is is quite. In a lot of optimism about the opportunity for financing solar and with very, very low interest rates and, you know, financial incentives. So, you know, with, with millions of people working from home, there's, there's a great case for having solar on rooftops and, um, Absolutely. Uh, why? Why would you use your cash? You'd finance it if you if you had the opportunity right now and keep your cash in case you need it. So I think it's going to really change the dimension for for financing opportunities, um, and you know potentially some storage uh, that's going to go on as well because you know the preppers are out there and everyone's starting to think, Jesus, this is this is really serious. 
Um, but we are on the flip side of that. We are hearing stories about people canceling sales, saying, "You know what, mate? I'm, I'm just too nervous. I can't make a decision. I got, you know, enormous challenges in my life, so I'm not going to make a decision. I'm canceling the order." Uh, we, I've heard stories about people saying, "Look, I really want to go ahead. I'd really like to do this, but I'm sorry, I don't want you on my property." Um, wow. So their pockets were well, their pockets at mm. the moment, but mm. there are definitely plenty of examples of that starting to happen and we think that will probably get worse yeah yeah. Um, commercial commercial is taking a pounding though um there are still again uh, there are still some opportunities out there and you know the innovation and the the rapid response of solar businesses is just incredible i'll come back to some campaign stuff and adaption strategies uh, perhaps later on but um yeah there are a number of businesses that i talked to that went nope we just we designed a new process and a new structure and we were able to demonstrate to people that we can get on site and we um, we won't let them near us and we won't go there when they're there and we'll stay away from them and we can get on the roof and we can get in this switchboard and we don't have to interact with their staff and we'll make it work and we'll do it digitally. Uh, so there are some people who are adapting and doing a great job of it. Um, but largely speaking, what we're hearing in commercial is, um, is A, of course, corporates are taking a very uh, serious um, approach to this and there just aren't people around to make these kind of decisions and they're focused on business survival. So this is this is causing delays. Uh, lead flows in commercial pretty much across the board are, you know, down dramatically. Um, and um, and of course, a lot of a lot of the commercial stuff is in um, local government, in um, aged care, in nursing, in schools, in uh, primary health care. All of those sectors are just saying, no one's on site. You're not coming on my site. No, that's, um, right. yeah, that's quite so understandable. It's un- very understandable. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because the rooftop solar and battery storage and microgrids and some of the other things have become the focus of attention to people talking about the sort of response that we should be having from government. So, you know, if you look back at the global financial crisis, people threw a lot of money at things, but they also sort of invested in various programs, um, energy efficiency, um, you know, the infamous pink bats, which was um, a good idea, but probably badly managed and, um, and trapped a few too many cowboys. Um, and it's interesting, we've had a couple of stories over the last couple of days. It comes from the Australia Institute. It comes from some of the clean energy um, peak bodies, um, the Clean Energy Council, but it also comes from overseas, the United Nations, the International Energy Agency, also talking about that, look, it's all well and good to throw money at people and businesses, and, and that's needed because people desperately need cash, and it's good to lift the the, um, the, um, the money going to the unemployed and the students and other people. Um, short of cash and and to businesses to some extent. But you've also got to think about a long-term value of what you're putting money towards. Mm. And um, it was fascinating. Mm. We On the in, um, Energy Insiders podcast, we interviewed Matt Grudnoff from the Australia Institute, and he made this interesting point. Um, the tidal pools that most people um, you see in most beaches in Sydney are actually built during the Depression. Um, 90 years ago. Um, oh, sort of, I didn't um, know that. Yes, that's yeah. true, isn't it? So doing that, and they're still being used 90 years down the track. So he was actually thinking, well, look, you yep. could start thinking about putting um, rooftop solar on public housing, maybe some batteries. You could actually put them on schools because they may be actually be vacated sometime pretty soon. You could put them on yep. um, emergency buildings, you know, some of the emergency services. You can sort of extend that out and roll that out to mini grids and other different things. And um, other people come up yep. with a similar sort of idea. So look, use this opportunity where you've actually want to get money there. You've got to kind of kickstart the economy because you've basically had to pull down all these. You had to stop these other industries because too many people getting together. But there's other industries that you can support, other things that you can do and keep your sort of social distancing, um, etc. Plus, you take advantage of the cheap finance. Plus, you see a secondary benefit, which is substantial and lasts for 20 or 30 or 40 years. That's the sort of thing that you can, that you can do. So, um, right, it, it, look, and, it remains and, to and be build resilient, build resiliency, and right? Build resiliency, build resiliency I mean, and, tick, and, tick. and and you know, yeah, yeah. So there, there, there's and and in fact, you know, one of the one of the things that um, you will see coming out of Solar Analytics, along with a bunch of other great partners that we've been talking to recently, is uh, a bit of a campaign that we're getting ready to to fire up called Solar is Essential. Um, hashtag. Um, because when you look at the definition of the Essential Services Act in New South Wales, you look at the definition of what is an essential service, point A, 
of um, uh, uh, part four of the Act uh, defines uh, the very first essential services, the production, supply or distribution of any form of energy, power or fuel or of energy, power or fuel source resources. So we are already squarely in the centre of what is required. The number one in the list of essential services for this country, which is energy. And of course, energy has been on everyone's agenda. Uh, there's been a lot of communications floating around from the Clean Energy Council and the Smart Energy Council and others around how essential um, energy supplies are in this uh, in this environment. And so we're so, uh, that's uh, interesting. about to ramp up a campaign. Cool. So that's interesting. We're about to ramp up a campaign. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, so that's it. No. <laughs> it's, just, it's like one of those old sort of 33 vinyls, you know, you sort of get, get stuck in that groove. Um, um, yeah. So being an essential service then, then even if we do get tougher sort of um, lockdown provisions, then the solar industry may be able to continue subject to agreement and demand from the, the residential or the commercial sector. Yeah, correct. And our, and our argument is that for a, for a myriad of reasons, um, we believe uh, that there is a wonderful case to be put uh, to to um, ensure, not, not, not to include us. We're already included. If you look at that definition, read that definition, we are squarely in there. And so the, the key ask that we're going to be um, um, uh, chasing for is to ensure that solar is well and, uh, well and truly included in that definition and therefore that there is some um, um, uh, uh, some understanding of the industry being essential for this issue of resiliency. Um, it obviously is a is a terrific employer. Uh, it's a low contact uh, industry. Um, there are uh, you know better part of twenty thirty thousand people employed in this industry who can do so in a safe manner. Um, it helps uh, build resiliency in energy supplies. It helps reduce demand right where the demand is right now, which is millions of people working from home. And of course, for those people, um, millions of people who are under um, economic uh, stress at the moment, it is uh, the number one thing that can be done and it can be financed. Uh, so we think that um, there is a wonderful opportunity here to try and help keep the industry alive and deliver resilience and employment and support for struggling uh, struggling companies Australia wide. That's fantastic. Oh, well, good. So this campaign then, um, it's going to start in when and, and in what sort of form will it take? Uh, look, we're moving as fast Too as we can, Joel. We, uh, <laughs> we, came up, we came up with a hashtag last night. We started working on it. We've got drafts with conversations going on all over the place. Uh, and uh, I, I think you'll start seeing some stuff flowing out tomorrow with the hashtag solar is essential. Um, so we're, we're well and truly on the on the way. Um, Good it's idea. A, a purely a question of, of how we do that. And, of course, alongside, um, um, you know, a, a hashtag, if you like, there is a ton of great work going on out there to help industries adapt. There's um, a great webinar that's um, been organised uh, up on the North Coast by um, uh, uh, Russell and, and Nick. Uh, yeah, who, now when is that? Uh, I'd have to check my calendar. It's coming up very, very soon, but... You know, there is that one. There's another US-based one. There's a couple of others. The uh, Smart Energy Council's already run a couple. And uh, there's a huge amount of effort going in by industry associations and businesses to help solar businesses adapt. And and, um, and and the key to this is what can we do quickly? How can we tell our story? How can we share good news stories? How can we help um, the industry um, um, uh, adapt to you know unprecedented times. So there's a massive amount of work out there, and and this is when, you know, as as someone said to me today, this is not the first, uh, this is not our first ride on the solar coaster, Giles. Uh, we we've we've been up and down on these rides many many times before, depending on your age. Um, we've had to bunker down um, and hunker down and go into hibernation mode before. And so for those businesses that have been around for a while, um, this is not the first rodeo. So the key is move fast, move quick, uh, adapt, um, get your people thinking not about panicking, but about how do we adapt? What can we do? What can we influence? Um, and dig deep. 
Um, it's the only thing um, that makes sense here, apart from curling up in a ball in the corner and, and quivering, which is tempting, but um, that's not going to get us anywhere. We need to adapt and we need to uh, to push through. And it's as someone, a young fella actually runs a solar business uh, who really impressed me. He said, you know, this isn't the end of the world. It feels like it's the end of the world, but it isn't the end of the world. We need to simply adapt survive, get through it, and get ready to come out the other side. Mm, this is exactly true. Hey, look, I've managed to get the details um, while you're um, talking away um, of this event um, that um, Russell French and um, Nigel have, um, Nick, sorry, Nick Lake has put together. Um, it's on Monday, 30th of March. It's a webinar, um, 4 p.m. to 5.10 p.m. Um, the proceeds over and above administration costs go to St. Vincent de Paul. It's in partnership with the Clean Energy Council. There's a welcome by Russell. There's Kane Thornton on the line. There's Warwick Johnson, one of the sponsors of this podcast, um, on the line, um, and some other really good people too, um, including Andrew Burgess and Dean Mannix and um, a bunch of other things. So I think that'll be a really good thing to tune into. Um, we'll put a link to that event on the um, podcast um, um, and on energy and uh, sort of um, renew economy and one step off the grid. Um, Nigel, I'm just going to take two seconds here. We'll just take a message from one of our sponsors. Clenergy is an Australian-founded enterprise providing innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Clenergy's innovative approach and engineering expertise gives them a unique edge to create the right base framework for all solar applications. Their range of high-quality products and services include PV mounting, ground mounting products and solutions for residential, commercial and utility-scale projects. Visit clenergy.com.au and find the right framework for your solar application. And, uh, of course, we'd like to thank all of our sponsors um, to, um, for their ongoing contribution. Um, really very much appreciated, including Solar Analytics and SunWiz. Um, and Clinergy. So, um, yes, thank you, sponsors. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and Giles, I, I'm 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 going to um, going to put my neck on the chopping block, as they say right now, because um, we spent a lot of time soul searching this morning, and it's an opportunity for listeners to test me because a this will uh, this podcast will come out in a few days, and b it'll be two weeks before we're back again. But um, we did a lot of soul searching today and uh, the conclusion that our company has reached is that um, we think that within a month, we think on probability the industry will see something in the order of an 80% collapse, um, which is terrifying and profoundly scaring and hopefully something that doesn't come to fruition but based on what we've seen on overseas markets and based on the best advice and intelligence we've got and in fact just looking at the news before I logged on there is already suggestions that lockdowns are going to go to deeper depths um, so we are preparing for um, the worst case scenario of a, uh, a massive lockdown and a decline by as much as 80% in the market um, we're hoping that um, solar is essential and we're hoping that uh, government and the regulators allow solar to continue uh, so that the industry isn't devastated by this but i, so I have to acknowledge that you know when yeah no, go on sorry yeah we have to acknowledge that you know it won't just be our industry we've already seen you know other industries close down uh three three of my uh and my wife and two of my close friends have all lost their jobs uh one in film one in catering one in um, hospitality uh they've all lost their jobs already and uh along with millions of others and you know that is clearly going to get worse and worse and worse before it gets better mm. um but our view um, sadly is that we're going to probably see an 80% reduction. We're very likely to see on balance, on probability, uh, very, very deep cuts, uh, very, very deep um, restrictions and controls. Um, we think it will last 
two to three months before there's any sign of a turnaround. Um, and um, if we're really lucky, we might slip through as, uh, at least in some sectors, as an essential service. But uh, we think that's the most likely uh, probability. And uh, I will be interested to see where we're at in two weeks when we're talking again and whether that's come to fruition or not, Giles. So let me try to understand what you're predicting there. So 80% fall, is that if the solar industry is not identified as a essential service and then basically brings to a, comes to a halt? Or is that even if it is identified as a, yes. um, as, as a service simply because of the slowdown in the overall economy and that's just going to have an impact on the solar industry no matter what, you know, e- even if you do allow people to go on site and put some panels on the roof and install a battery or whatever? No, look, that's that's assuming we we don't get um, through and and acknowledged as we are actually already defined as a sol- as an essential service, and uh, we would like to be formally recognised as that, and that will minimise that pain. There will still be pain come hell or high water. Yes. We're already seeing that. There's already evidence of that. Um, you know, it's twenty to 30% impact, we think, over the next coming months if uh, we could essentially continue with business as usual in the industry. But if we can't and uh, we're hit, then there's plenty of evidence and examples from overseas countries uh, that we can look at, uh, from California, from uh, Italy, from other European countries where the the slowdown has been in excess of 80%. So um, we hope it doesn't come true. We hope uh, that we can continue to deliver good services uh, uh, for, for everyone in Australia and help keep the lights on, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well, look, that's possibly what we're looking at, at least for some stage where you're starting to see some of the serious lockdowns um, in the UK, just basically no one move um, and don't go anywhere. And um, look, um, we're recording on the Tuesday. Uh, We're going to publish this on the Wednesday, um, all things being equal, but um, in between time, some of the um, meetings for the next stage will have been discussed and we'll just have to wait and see. It seems to me that they're just looking at progressive, progressively tightening it down, getting people used to sort of one idea and then quickly moving to the next one. And um, yes. and it's probably quite important too before letting it fly, letting it getting away from us. So, um, yeah, all very good. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, dear. Big sigh. Big sigh. Um, yes. Big sigh. Yes. Mate, before we sort of talk about other things, um, there are other things to talk about. Um, we've got the last of your excellent series from New Zealand. Um, now, these are sort of, um, mm. yes, now you, you went over to New Zealand late last year. Um, we've had a bunch of great interviews. Um, they've been really well received. Um, who's the latest and the last? Yeah, so the, the lucky last, uh, my apologies, Mike, the lucky last, but uh, uh, we, uh, I've interviewed a number of Australian and New Zealand solar businesses in an attempt to find out what lessons they'd learned and how they've survived the solar coaster. Uh, this week, we hear from Mike Pryor from Able Solar, and, and Mike and I have actually known each other for a long, long time because he actually took over the business from a, a lovely old guy affectionately known as Knackers, uh, who built that business up from scratch over, gosh, probably 30 years ago uh, or more. And Mike was a young guy who worked there back in the day. Um, And uh, as he's grown uh, older and wiser, perhaps uh, he managed to get himself in a position to take over the business and is now running a really unique little wholesale business over in New Zealand, uh, specialising in a, well, in sectors that you'll hear about. Let's hear what Mike had to say. Welcome back to Meta Solar Business. I'm here today with Mike Pryor from Able Solar. Mike describes his business as a distributor and wholesaler in New Zealand. It's uh, gone through uh, many iterations over the years, like all good solar businesses. Uh, let's dive right in. How are you, Mike? Um, good, thanks, Nigel. Uh, it's been a long time between drinks for us. Um, 15 years ago, I think you said, since we last shared a drink? I think it's probably around that time frame, yeah, back from the old BP Solar days. Excellent, mate. I'm glad you're still talking to me after all this time. <laughs> let's. Speaking of the old days, let's go right back to the beginning, mate. Um, we're sitting here at the CN Solar Conference in Wellington. Um, how did you end up sitting in this chair today? What is it that brought you into the solar industry and why are you sitting here? 
Well, back in the uh, late 1999, we bought a uh, lifestyle block property that um, was quite a way off the grid. So it was purely an economical decision to go standalone for solar. It was pretty alternative back in the day. So we um, hired a person to come and install the system for us and they did a really substandard installation so <laughs> that was my entry level into it and uh, I started to learn a bit about it and bumped into uh, Graham McIntosh from Able Solar and uh, he helped me out uh, immensely back in the day get my system up and running and he saw something in me um, with the pickup on the technology and I think on our second meeting offered me a job so uh, I went Wow so cu customer to to solar person yeah yeah customer to solar person from end user having issues to um, where I am today yeah so I worked with Graham um, for about 15 years uh, he set the business back up in the mid 80s um, wow. so had a huge amount of experience with batteries which is really what helped me with my home system and um, I sort of worked with Graham there for, for quite a number of years and then approximately three years ago Graham came up for retirement so uh, I took over the business from Graham yep what what an awesome story to hear, um, you know, from end user to to uh, business owner. That's great, and, and congratulations on picking up the business. It was, you know, Macca was way overdue for retirement. Yeah, right? we all, we all... Hey, he was a good man, one of the pioneers of the industry. He was absolutely a pioneer. So so you know, the business has been around since the eighties. What's what's the secret to the business success? Um, um, yeah, what's your your unique selling proposition, and how has that changed over time? Well, it hasn't really changed a lot, to be honest. Um, we do it once and we do it right. We use quality products um, from top-end suppliers. And uh, we've come from very much a, a battery background. Graham built batteries back in the day, so we had that foundation. And we specialise in doing off-grid power systems. And to this day, that's what we still specialise in. And uh, we deal with the top end of the market with the electronics and the um, Winico solar panels and uh, partner ourselves. And it's worked well and it's longevity for the long game. Right on. So, you know, find your niche and stick to it. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. What's the, what's the biggest um, opportunity you see for your business right now? You know, when you get back to the office, what's the, what's the next big thing on your radar? Next big thing I think in the New Zealand market is the EV vehicles and providing um, renewable energy for charging EVs. There's a, a lot of concern in the New Zealand market that um, people are plugging in their so-called green vehicles and charging them with dirty power. So not so much of an issue for New Zealanders, we're pretty much green on the grid, but people like their independence. So I think that's one area for us, especially in the off-grid market, is to be allowing people the freedom to have electric vehicles while still being off-grid. So having integrated charges with the smarts and the management so they can still have all the toys in their house as well as charging their EVs is um, one of the next steps in the market. And you're seeing that um, in off-grid applications as well? Oh, definitely. We've got a number of customers out there that are driving the top-end Teslas um, with off-grid power systems and happily charging them. Wow. Yeah, so. wow. Super cool, man. Super cool. Um, what's the best business investment decision that the company's made over its uh, long and illustrious history? One of the best decisions we have made, I guess, is diversifying out of the... Um, off-grid game a little bit and going into solar water pumping and so we picked up the uh, Lorentz uh, solar water pumping agency and that allowed us to diversify when everybody was scrambling over the grid tie market um, to really allow us to establish another market that was um, away from that cutthroat sort of episode so while the rest of the world was dropping their prices and and chasing that off um, the grid tie market we focused on our off-grid market and diversified into pumping. Nice. Diversification, that's a theme we hear a lot when we're, we're talking to people. Um, that's, that's really cool. Uh, and what's, um, what, um, sorry, I'm just trying to find my thing. Oh, here we go. What's the biggest mistake you've made? <laughs> and, and everyone's got a few stories. What's the biggest mistake you've made in, in, in the history of your business? Oh, biggest mistake is believing some of the sales hype on batteries. Um, we've been caught out a few times with different products where they haven't lived up to the reputation. 
Um, but it's all about how you back up the product at the end of the day. So, yeah, we, we've given away a, a few free battery banks over <laughs> our times to appease people where products haven't lived up to our expectations. Um, we've missed opportunities as well where we could have stepped up to the game and, and done some bigger stuff, but the risks seemed too high at the time. So, you know, we've played it pretty um, strategically safe for the long-term game, not for the, the short-term money. So, yeah, we're pretty conservative on that side of things. Um, same with stepping into the lithium market for batteries. Um, we're very conservative on what we do there. Yeah, so. Right on. So a similar question, what lesson took you the longest to learn? <laughs> uh, don't deal with Australians. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, oh, that's a hard one to answer, I guess. Uh, I think we're still learning all the lessons now. There's, there's always lessons to learn. Nothing is a given in this market. Um, the technology is evolving so quick, so you've got to be on your game the whole time. Yeah, yeah, we've we've heard presentations this morning on complexity and you know sophistication, and with that comes all sorts of challenges, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, what what did you think was true that turned out not to be true? Turned out not to be true. Oh, that's uh, I'd have to think about that one. I think um, I thought that with the price on solar dropping that the battery prices would be just as quick but it, it seems to me that the battery pricing is going to be a little bit slower and lagging um, and I think that's because the technology is just changing so quick that they can't get the volume up on a particular um, style or, or type of battery to make it more cost effective. It will come, I'm sure of that, but it's just finding the right technology that's got the energy density to meet the requirements and get the mass production out there. And you've had the experience of, you know, promises not being always kept, <laughs> yeah. right? So, yeah, good on you. Um, uh, which company or person, you can think globally, locally, whatever you want, which company or person um, do you aspire to be like? So, you know, who is it that when you look around the world that uh, really inspires you in terms of your solar business and, and what you'd like to become? Oh, I think um, Tesla has to be one that springs to mind. His marketing campaign is phenomenal um, to be able to to sell a product on a brochure before you've even started to make it is just a marketing machine <laughs> and a half. And I'd love to be able to have the gumption to, to do that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, he, he's got a great product out there, especially with his vehicle sales. And uh, he's now rolling that out into the, um, the, the sort of battery market for hybrids and stuff. And he's doing well out of it. So I think there's something there in the way that he does business and, and his style of business is, is quite inspiring. Risky, but inspiring. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a good, good analysis of the whole Tesla story. Uh, if you could change one thing about the solar industry, what would you change? Oh, what would I change? Um, I guess the acceptance. Uh, it's come a lot better now, but in the early days, it was very much that it was a hippie type of product. Um, it's become a lot more acceptable now. So, if that acceptance had been taken on earlier, the business would have grown a lot better and a lot easier back in the day. Uh, there was a lot of um, skepticism around solar and whether it would work. Uh, I guess that's the skepticism that's around batteries at the moment. So, it'd be nice if people sort of trusted the technology a bit and. Uh, uh, went boots and all instead of waiting for the next edition to come out but I guess that's with any new technology and, and adoption of technology in general. Mm. Yep yep awesome. Uh, last question mate you've done really really well um, uh, thinking forward you know you've you've survived all these years genuine genuine pioneer in the industry both you and Graham um, where are you going to be in five years what's your business going to look like in five years? Well hopefully we continue to grow um, and push out into the market um, we are leading the market with a lot of our products and, and technologies that we're using so hopefully we'll continue um, that trend and just become bigger, better and stronger and consolidate our uh, position out there. Yeah, it'll be really nice to um, yeah hit that next step and really push into it and keep the, the growth going. Yeah, yeah. and the longevity. Longevity, of yeah. course. Well, you're doing really well there, Mike. Um, hey, thanks so much for spending time with us. Enjoy the rest of the show. And uh, I guess 15 years on, we'll, we'll share another drink, eh? Yeah, no worries, Nigel. It's good to catch up, eh? Hey? Good on you, mate. Cheers, mate. And that was Mike Pryor from Able Solar in New Zealand. Giles, um, you know, the thing I liked about Mike's story was... You know, he's kind of stuck to his guns uh, and in a world of such dramatic change. He's found his niche. Uh, he's got his expertise. He's got his market worked out really well. Um, he's not 
trying to be you know the biggest corporation in the world he's just found his niche and is working really really diligently and hard at it and working with the the core customers that he wants to and and making a good uh, a good little business out of it and um all power to him um it's it's great to see yeah. Not only just not 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 even not only big businesses being successful, but small businesses filling niches and doing things really really well in their area of expertise. So I, I think that's wonderful. It is. Like, he certainly sounds pretty happy, and it's a really important thing when you're talking about there, just sort of finding your niche, finding a scale, um, not necessarily being obsessed with trying to sort of double or triple or quadruple, you know, revenue over five or ten year plans. I mean, that can sort of add all sorts of stresses and and stuff there. If you're sort of comfortable and you're happy, um, just look at your niche and just work out how to tap, make the biggest advantage of that. Um, it's it's funny actually that's being. Right. Um, Damn straight, damn straight. Look, it's funny um, as as listening to that and about New Zealand and um, of course the land of the long white cloud. It actually just reminds me of another article we published uh, this week on Renew Economy. Really quite fascinating, actually. It's about cloud forecasting technology, and this is probably something that might inter- in, interest people with um, larger solar farms. But it's going to be an interesting one for the solar industry um, in, in in general anyway, because as distributed solar increases, you know, it goes up to 30 or 40% share of total generation, then the market operator and the grid people's ability to read and forecast solar is um, going to be really quite um, important. So this is Lyndon Frierson from Akistica, who are based in Alice Springs and um really one of the um, smart people in the industry, um, has done some research on uh, cloud forecasting and some pipe trials. And um, look, it's actually quite interesting. It's quite technical, but um, I would actually recommend it as a thing to read. Um, Lyndon's a a wise old soul. Uh, Actually, he's younger than me, but uh, he's been around for ages. I've had the pleasure of working with Lyndon many times over the years and uh, does some great stuff. Uh, We've actually, on the fringes, been involved um, in in some of this modelling ourselves, Giles, and and in fact uh, have uh, produced some beautiful little animated graphics of uh, cloud impact travelling across various different zones as as measured using solar analytics uh, data. Um, so now we've got, we're sort of probably heading towards 40,000 sites out there now. And in some areas where we've got really high penetration, uh, for example, one that we did last year in Victoria around the Melbourne CBD, we could actually plot the the rise and fall in solar production graphically across uh, across the greater CBD and see those impacts as well. And some of our guys have been involved with the University of New South Wales in doing some of that modelling too. So, yeah, it's a fascinating field. We would love to see those graphs and even publish some of them. I don't know whether that's possible. They might be locked away in a vault under sort of you know secret um, secret person's business. But um, that'd be fantastic. I, would, to I wouldn't see do it for that. anyone else, Giles. But but for you, <laughs> I'll, I'll find them. I'll find them. We'll find I'll a way. Find, find a way. Yeah, yeah. mate. Um, before we wrap up for the day, is any electric vehicle news to be um, to be talked about? I'm not too sure if there's anything in particular um, apart from just no. noting. Oh well, I'm going to have a bit of a go then. I'm just 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 a point of interest. And I'm just sort of shooting the breeze here. It's just really interesting to see all the big auto manufacturers shutting down. Uh, basically, v, uh, VW I think stopped production. Yes. A whole bunch of others stopped production. Mm. Jaguar stopped production. Yeah, Tesla's actually stopped production from its Fremont and its New York Gigafactories, which is still continuing at its Shanghai factory. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what, and there's still, but this, but, 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 but they're still investing in electric R and D and development and things like that. And I'm just wondering what this pause in sales and production and look, it might last for three months, six months, 12 months. We don't actually know. It just, just an interesting thing. Just what impact that will have on the evolution that this, this transition to electric vehicles that we've all been anticipating. Um, whether that actually creates an opportunity for electric vehicles or whether it actually becomes a hurdle. No real way of knowing at the moment, but um, but, but pretty interesting stuff. If the electric vehicle research and production continues on um, and the fossil fuel cars don't sit there and not producing, that gets you closer to some of the deadlines in Europe about meeting those clean energy or those clean um, um, emissions targets for vehicles. It's going to be quite... Be quite fascinating. 
Um, it is. It is, and of course, fuel fuel prices have been incredibly volatile um, over recent weeks and months as well. And um, uh, you know, I, I wish I was in South Australia. Someone I was talking to in South Australia said they paid ninety five cents a litre yesterday. Um, uh, I'm still paying a dollar ninety five down the hill from my place. So you know, Jesus. there's a huge amount of volatility, um, which could work. In, in in against EVs or could work in their favour depending on how all that settles down and of course foreign exchange is a, a huge challenge as well so um, yeah I, I'm with you it's I, I think the fallout from it is not going to be clear for um, for a couple of months but interesting to see and uh, you know where where the where the broader automotive industry and fuel industry is left after this global pandemic has passed through will be um, will be really interesting. Yeah, well, I was just actually just caught, caught something the other day um, on Caltex. I think they're just expecting um, uh, jet fuel, for instance, that'll fall eighty to ninety percent um, over the next um, six wow. months, just simply because there's not planes in the air, um, not transporting people around the place. And of course, you've seen in in many countries the amount of traffic has fallen already quite dramatically. Um, one brief um, advantage of this is uh, less pollution in cities and yeah. waterways and oh. things like that but it'd be nice to think that we could actually achieve this without yeah well look you know but um it'd be nice to think that we can actually do this without crashing the economy um and i'm sure we can but um yeah. maybe we can actually yeah. you know put a bit more of an effort onto it and um but look just grateful though it's gratifying to see finally some government ministers standing up there and saying standing next to an expert and saying, I'm listening to the expert. So uh, we look forward to that happening in yeah. climate and energy issues in <laughs> the future. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you don't want an energy minister speaking without an yeah. energy expert there sort of saying, well, actually, we need to transition to wind and solar because it's cheaper and more reliable and a whole bunch of other different things. So, um, yes, I look forward to that moment. Yeah. Yes, to the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, and listen, um, um, I've got one. I've got one crap solar story. I have to shout out to uh, crap solar as usual. Um, one of the most intriguing ones. Here's a consumer warning that we never expected to have to give Giles. Um, a quite stunning photo today appeared on crap solar of uh, an inverter on a wall at someone's home. Uh, someone obviously decided that they didn't like the fact that um, the inverter was running fairly hot. Uh, it was on an exposed wall. Um, so um, I don't know whether it was Mr. Jones or Mrs. Jones, but someone uh, very cunning uh, stitched up a beautiful canvas cover uh, for their sweet. inverter. Um, beautifully made. A uh, little vent where the vent was uh, and, and, an, and a little clear panel where the control panel was. Um, lovely bit of handicraft um but i did want to urge consumers not to wrap their inverters in canvas um bad 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 idea um looked lovely would undoubtedly you know protect the inverter to some degree but something of a fire risk so uh consumers don't let your nana wrap your inverter in uh anything Yes, yeah, just 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 keep keep it to tea cozies. I think um, that'd be the uh, that'd be the that'd be my advice. And um, just if anyone was wondering, Crap Solar is not the name of a person or even a company. It's actually a Facebook page um, published by some very good people in the industry who are looking to maintain standards and um, point out when standards are deficient. Um, or sort of installations are deficient. Indeed. And um, look, I um, all credit to them for for publishing that. Look, Nigel, um, just before we wrap up, once again, a thanks to all our sponsors. I also want to do a personal thanks to people out there. Um, my understanding is that um, you told me about this on the night of my wedding and um, that there'd been a funding page um, um, put together to raise some money for our honeymoon, um, which happened a couple of weeks ago. And... Um, and that was a bit of a surprise to me and um, absolutely sort of knocked over by that. Um, I think I was sort of too sort of grinning from ear to ear um, all during that evening. So I didn't really take too much of it in. But look, I'll, I'll find a way to make a yeah, more formal thankful thank you later on. But um, I just want to sort of um, just tell everyone in the industry um, how grateful I am and my partner, Anne, who is also the producer of this podcast, um, 
uh, this really is a family affair. In fact, Mrs. Parkinson, Mrs. Parkinson, Mrs. No, I think Mrs. Delaney. Actually, <laughs> I think I'm all right. My Mr. Delaney, Mrs. Mr. Delaney. I know, I, there's, there's names going all over the place, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll reach a consensus over time, or maybe not. I don't know. But um, look, I just want to thank you everyone for doing that. And, well, Giles, and, just let just let me say that you know I know Warwick uh, Warwick Johnston uh, was uh, it was his great idea, and I got right behind him from the get go. Uh, but it was Warwick's idea. Uh, to get out there and say, hey, who thinks Giles has done some good stuff for the solar industry and he deserves a good break? Um, that's where the idea was was born and, and it was an absolute pleasure to see literally dozens, hundreds, I think, in the end of people um, uh, putting lovely comments on there about the excellent work that you've done, the great support you've given the industry over the years. And so, you know, uh, the theory was a trip to Bali to a surf camp, which obviously is <laughs> off the agenda. Um, so, you know, I don't know, spend it on masks or something. Or, or something, um, yeah. Look, but, but uh, Giles, very, very, very well earned. Uh, and on behalf of everyone, congratulations to you and Mrs. Delaney and uh, what a wonderful night it was. Um, but congratulations, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, look, we actually, uh, it was a great night and um, and uh, well, I think we got in there um, uh, just in time, actually, been a week later or two weeks later, then it might have been a completely different affair. So look, once again, thank you for everyone who sort of uh, participated in that. And I actually look forward to seeing some of the comments. Um, um, that'd be very gratifying. So um, once again, thank you very much. Nigel, um, thank you and Warwick too for, for doing that. Um, good on you, Warwick. Um, Warwick, I should actually mention, was there on my first date and encouraged me to ask Anne out to see the band at the Northern Hotel in Byron Bay. And I turned around to Warwick and I said, how do I do that? And he says, just go and ask her. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. Good on you. So I did. Good job, yeah, look at us now. Look at us now. Fantastic. Anyway, look, Nigel, I think that's a wrap. I think um, we've um, jumped deep enough into personal affairs. So, look, um, thanks once again to everyone, to our sponsors, and to you, Nigel. And um, look, good luck to everybody out there in the industry. It's um, it's unbelievable times. Um, and um, I just think that, um, as people say, stay safe, be nice, and um, let's sort of hope that uh, we all get over this. Um, as quickly as we can. Yeah, the the best advice I heard from someone was, you know, in situations like these, you can kind of, you look in society and at one end of the spectrum, you've got people in complete denial, um, which is not helping the situation. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who are in abject panic. And uh, the key to surviving this is staying somewhere in the middle. So um, stay in the middle, people. In the middle. Good advice. And on that note, thank you very much. We'll be back again in two weeks' time and uh, look out also for our Energy Set Insiders podcast and the Driven podcast as well. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell Software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free high-definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. SunWiz, Australia's leading solar software. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.